may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and... Right, nearly half time pal, your turn to get a ground round in, off you go No, you get this one in mate because I've got the beer sorted for later What do you mean you've got the beer sorted for later? I got the last one, you know that's not how the ground round works Listen here, bud. How does the offer of free beer sound? What do you mean free beer? No such thing, mate. Just go and get them in, man. Serious now. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash VFTN and cover just £5.95 for the postage and you'll get your first case of eight globally sourced, fresh as can be, craft beers delivered right to your doorstep. What I mean is I've already got hours waiting for us after this and we'll need them after watching this shambles. What's the catch here now? Who are these people? Beer 52 are the world's most popular craft beer discovery club. Each month, they send a case of craft beer from a different part of the world. Recent cases have included beer from the Alps, New Zealand, the USA, Ireland, Korea, and Germany. Bloody hell, that's not bad, is it? Yep, and if you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time you like. Cracking, so how do I get it again? All you need to do is go to www.beer52, that's the numbers 52.com forward slash VFTN. To get your first case of eight beers for just five ninety five, that's www.beer52.com forward slash vftn. Sound pie with a pint then? You know I never say no to a pie. Another week, another win for Cardiff City as the CCFC derby ended up in a win for CCFC, the ones in blue, dark blue, Cardiff City. A 3-1 victory over Coventry yesterday lifts Cardiff City up to the heady heights of 7th, despite being 15th last week. The Championship, what a league. Joining me as always to discuss it, Ben Price. Ben, what's up? Not much, mate. Should I have coffee? It's early start for us. And, yeah, yeah, we did it at 9.30 on a Sunday. Usually this is an evening thing. It's a, a morning thing on Valentine's Day this week. Yeah, I'm starting my Valentine's Day. The first people I've seen this morning are your beautiful faces, so it's a uh, terrible, terrible day. That's not very nice. And Tom, uh, how's the hangover? It's not a hangover. I just had a couple of drinks, so I sound a little bit more nasally. That you know, that, that's all. Nothing you were more watching, than that. Watching the egg, were you? Watching many sports: cricket, the football, the egg, anything that was on TV. Bit of boxing. Christ, so you had the feathers on at one stage, the three lions on at another. Oh, that's a good point. I haven't done my rep any good here, my What are you doing then? Fox hunting or? No, 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 no. I'm keeping social distancing sensible this time of year. But fox hunting is quite socially distanced. Depends how close you get to the fox, really. Depends how successful you are at it. Yeah, that's true, actually. Around here, we get close to very fox. Get very close to foxes, not close to very foxes. Doesn't even make sense. But um, moving swiftly on to discussing yesterday's game. How do you think fox hunting works, Tom? How close do you get to the fox? I don't know. You don't 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 have to do it. Physically chase the fucking fox. All right, we have a dog. It's a dog. dog. Yeah, it's, it's I, far more humane. Another animal rips it to pieces. So wait a minute now. You're having a go at me for doing fox hunting and now for not knowing how to do it properly. <laughs> yeah, like, be informed. Your idea of fox hunting is you literally just running through a field shouting, come here, you bastard. All right. Can we move well, on that might be commanded. Who knows? That would be very tiring. It would be very tiring. Um, anyway, get back to the football. We are not fox hunting podcast yet. Um, maybe in a few weeks with Tom's rep, but um, who can say? Um, let's start yesterday with the win over Coventry, Ben. Um, I mean, 
what a win. 3-1. Um, it was easy, wasn't it? We made a very... Uh, from what I've seen on Twitter, actually, they're in quite a bad run of form. I didn't realise that. But we made a decent football inside who were quite blunt in attack, look very, very average. Mm-hmm. Um, they mm-hmm. took control at times, but we didn't, they didn't really put us any sustained pressure. We sort of dealt with anything they had. They just had lots of the ball. It was, yeah, it was superb. Tom, it made a difference from the last time he played him, which was probably one of the worst performances of the season, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, what, what I found interesting as well was like here and there, manager after the game, Robin's on about how we could have bullied them and it was our fight that, um, that ultimately beat them, which we wouldn't have had a couple of months ago. We weren't, he, he pretty much accused us of kicking them off the park, which is not something you would have associated with our team um, under Harris. And it's something quite nice about that, knowing that we're now bullying teams as well as playing some decent stuff under Mick McCarthy. And yeah, it was comfortable from start to finish. I, I don't think it was like a Sterling game or anything. Um, I don't think we were fantastic, but like you said, we were comfortable. And it's two two derby wins in two weekends. Last week, we beat the Robins uh, 2-0. This week, we beat Mark Robbins. Nice. 3-1. No, thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Um, ben, yesterday, the two, probably the two standout performances uh, from Kiefer Moore, Josh Murphy. Uh, Murphy got two assists and a goal. Kiefer Moore came up with two goals. Um, how nice is it to see Josh Murphy playing well, smiling, but also like the players seem to really, when he scored his goal, the players seem to all really celebrate around him, didn't they? Yeah, it's clear that he's like a popular lad within the squad and they all just saw he needed that boost because like, he's a quality footballer. There's a reason we paid £11 million for him. It's just nice now everyone's starting to see the best of him and what he's capable of again. Um, yeah, I thought both strike, both attacking players were class. Murphy sort of not quite a winger, but playing like a three-year-old behind the striker really, really suited him. And just, I thought he was superb. Just really just wicked pass, wicked way to pass again for the ball for Kiefer to get the first goal. Also, the recovery to get the ball. He chased yeah. back, won the ball in defence and brought it forward. That's a new aspect to his game, isn't it? It's not. He's sort of... It's just he's learned to time the tackles. He's very good at before of getting silly bookings in that situation. He'd always mistime the tackle. And you can see it was just because he was low on confidence. He'd mistime the tackle, misjudge it, give away a foul, get a booking. And that would sort of just pull him out of the game for a bit. Um, it's quite funny when he did that because two minutes before I said, oh, Murphy's gone a bit quiet. He sort of phased out the game a little bit. And then he pops up with that. And that just shows he, he's not going to be involved for 90 minutes. That's like some of us expecting. Sometimes we're so used to with someone like Hoyler. Sometimes he's going to vanish out the game for 10, 15 minutes, but then pop up with a bit of class. And we've got to be a bit more patient with it as a fan base. Um, I mean, without Tomlin, we're missing that spark. You know, we, Murphy and Tomlin are different players, but Tomlin fades in and out of games. That's what we expect from him. He, he can do nothing for 89 minutes and score a winner in the 90th minute. And fans love that. But Murphy doesn't seem to see, seem to get the same kind of leniency. Without Tomlin, can Murphy play that role? Can he be that player who drifts in and out of games and, and creates that spark? Yeah, I can't say why not. I don't think they're exactly the same mould. But yeah, in terms of yeah, not grabbing the game with a scruff of the neck for 20, 30 minutes, but I'm popping up with a bit of class, definitely. I think you've just got to rely on the rest of the team then to make sure that they're turning up so you can allow those type of players to have, play that type of game. It was the same with Harry Wilson to a point. Like... You won't see him for a long, long period of time, and then he pop up with a bit of class, a through ball here, or a shot from thirty yards. So, yeah, I think he can, and I think that's the most exciting thing as well. You've got players like Murphy now hitting a bit of form, and we still got. I'm not sure if we'll see Tomlin to be fair, but we've got the likes of like Tomlin. We got Johnny Williams as well. We we'll keep forgetting, keep forgetting we have him, um, and we've got like the likes of Osei too doing stuff still to come back. 
So it, it, it's good we're hitting a bit of form and hopefully if we overcome some of these injuries as well, we've got even more class coming into the squad. Uh, Tom, Kiefer Moore again, two goals. I think he's up to 13 now for the season. Um, he's going to get 40, isn't he? He's absolutely class, isn't he? It's <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. I mean, that first goal yesterday, like he's, you know, headers, but then he also has that goal where he's bearing down on the goal and cutting inside with a little chop take it past the more on chop later to cut past the defender um it was a lovely finish wasn't it yeah you think he did me with that turn like i was kind of watching it and i kind of went with the defender (laughs) it was a great turn like but again quality ball down from murphy to to release him um and yeah and just cutting back in hell of a finish but he he scores different types of goals doesn't he he scores those types of goals where he needs a bit of individual brilliance he he scored that one later on which is almost like a scuff into an open net and, and he's just an absolute pain in the ass. And like, he, there's a lot of fans who don't watch us a lot who just accuse him of being a bit of a donkey and we scoring goals in the air and things, but he's not, he's nothing like that. They just see he's tall and think, ah, he's just another donkey of a player. He's far from it. He's such a complete striker uh, for it's, 2 million to steal. It's your typical, um, he's got good feet for a big man, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And he's got, like, I, I, he's got very good. It's a cliche, but like you say, he's a complete striker. Any goal that you know, any goal that a striker can score, he can do the same. He's he occupies defenders. He plays off the shoulder. He plays you know in front of the defenders and wins those headers. He's just brilliant. Um, ben away from the forward line defensively, we were sound again. Playing that back three, I think on that first game, people were like, "What is this?" But it seems to be working quite well. There were times when Moz seemed to be even an overlapping centre half. He was getting forward beyond the halfway line and supporting the midfielders. Flint showing his critics what's what. Phillips is solid. It's what you'd expect from Mick McCarthy, but it's a classic kind of City thing, isn't it? Defensively very solid, good in attack. It's really impressive how quickly, sort of, for the last, probably under Warnock and Harris, you hear we've gone three at the back and we instantly panic because it's never really worked out. Mm-hmm. And within, what, three weeks, McCarthy seems to have got that drilled in. The players know exactly what they're doing. They're really organised. It does help that we've got fullbacks playing in the white wing in the fullback position as well. I think that's a big plus for sort of Neil Harris, especially didn't really have because often he'd be playing Bakuna right wing back. Um, but yeah, it's just impressive how quickly they've all settled into those roles and how organised they are. And it's also like Nelson. We've given him a bit of grief the last couple of weeks, but he must be waking up absolutely battered today. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he took what two or three to the old uh, genitalia. Oh. They just the first one hit, and like you could see him go down. I was like, Oh, that's gonna suck. And then two minutes later, he's back in his feet. I thought, like, fair play to him. No, no, like someone coming no up messing around. Like, and then two seconds later, the ball gets slammed back in almost exactly the same spot. You're just thinking, Oh, I was picturing, you know, on The Simpsons when, um, Hans Bowman, yeah, no, um, what's the guy, Psycho Bob walking, oh, with the rake. That's <laughs> all I was picturing with that. Just the poor guy. He took an absolute battering. Uh, Morrison seems to be channeling his inner hull when he yeah. just decides to go on that run. Quite enjoy that. I um back to your point about getting it in a bread basket a couple of times. When uh, it's been described to me, and I'm not saying where I play, Tom. It's been described to me <laughs> when you take when you take a football in that area, it feels like you need to do a poo and a wee at the same time. <laughs> it's like, like this weird, intense feeling in in your kind of um, groin. Um, I, another, another, Tom. Another point about kind of the players settling into to good roles is, you know, under Harris we had people like Vox and Rolls in midfield, seemingly playing as square pegs in round holes, not really playing to their strengths. But Vox settled in under 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 McCarthy really well. And yesterday we saw Pat come back in. 
usually a midfielder swapping for a midfielder would make people go, oh, fucking hell, this is going to be bad. But it looked like there was no change. It looked very solid again in the middle of the park and Pack had a good game. Yeah, definitely. He's, he's spraying passes like we want him to. You know, that that is his strong point. He can pass the ball and he's got a bit of confidence now. And the players clearly know what they're doing. They know what's expected of them. You know, you, you listen to Mick McCarthy after the game and he's on about hard graft and stuff and he's on about the lads enjoying it. And I think that's the thing. You can see the players are on there enjoying it now. But going back to that three of the back thing as well, I felt sorry for Harris a little bit with that because the one time he tried it against QPR, we completely shit the bed. And I don't think it was necessarily the system. No, it just happened it to be six or seven players who had an absolute stinker. But and, and then he never played it again. And you know, with Mick McCarthy, he's persevered with it. And do you think do you think that's a difference between the two managers and what what let Harris down eventually is that Harris seemed to try things. If they didn't work, he'd never try them again. While Mick has just gone, this is how I do it, and it, it's that perseverance that pays off. I think I think that's what the years of experience and Pete, he hasn't got to build a reputation. Mick McCarthy, he's already got it. Where Harris is still relatively new to the game, so you know if, if he, it's like that we all about the Harry Wilson thing. If Harry, if if Harris had dropped in for three games, the fan base would have gone mental. Mick McCarthy mm. does it. It's oh, you know, he's nurturing him, he's resting him, he's going to bring him back fitter and better than ever yeah. and it's like I think that's where Mick McCarthy can benefit from the years of experience and Harris didn't have that luxury but yeah and you know and, and linking back to like you said with Pack, Mick McCarthy is given because you know he's unbeaten in those games but we had a we, we started off with three draws didn't we and they were far from like fantastic performances but you know he's he's by this time and then and now he's really like seeing it come into fruition it's, it's just nice, isn't it? I mean, f- we've got football as a simple game, right? Stats from Fotbomb yesterday, 187 passes, 111 in the opposing half. Three shots on target, three goals. Um, ben, is this kind of like the next stage of Warnock ball? I think Harris was meant to be the intermediary, but it seems like Mick McCarthy's just taken us back to that direct, effective football. Yeah, it, it's a lot less hoof up to... It's sort of early days of Warnock ball, sort of the early start of the promotion year. It's not quite hoof ball, but it's very direct and get the ball at the top end very quick and get into the attacking players as quick as possible. You don't want the defenders fanning around at the back or the central midfielders holding it sort of in our half. Get into their half. They've got no chance of scoring and we've got a chance of scoring. It's very simple, but it, at the moment it is very effective for us and it helps when you've got a strike like Kiefer Moore, who is in clinical form, who was also bouncing that he didn't get his hat-trick. Yeah, well, I'm glad he... Didn't score a heady yesterday because it would have messed up his lovely hair. Um, one kind of couple final points. Um, NG, uh, you know, we, we can rave about Perry NG every week, Tom, but he spoke yesterday in a post-match press conference about how the gaffer and TC, as everyone calls him, love TC, have been on at him to impact the game a bit more. There was that video of Murphy's goal in training where TC was straight on him, kind of giving him that one-on-one coaching. Um, you know, does that seem to be the difference between Harris and MM? I think Harris, you know, you didn't get the, the sense really that he was really into that one-on-one management. Well, Mick McCarthy seems to be all about that one-on-one kind of coaching players individually, getting them to do more in the games. I mean, it's just lovely to see, isn't it? He knows what sort of player needs what sort of treatment, doesn't he? There's certain players in our squad who need an arm around them. Me. And they work as a double actor named Malky McKay. See, I'm M, it throws me every time. Mick McCarthy and, and TC. Um, you know, they, they work as like a double act. You can see like, like uh, TC going over to players and Mick McCarthy sticking a cannon up another one and stuff, and they just bounce off each other. And they've realised that Murphy's a player that needs an arm around him and tell him how good he is. 
and how he can influence a game. Perry NG just looks like he's got a ridiculous work rate. So they'll probably get into him every now and again. And then, to, like, after the game, I think he said that they said it was a perfect performance for him because they wanted to get on the ball a bit more. And it's just working. Yeah. Like, that quick free kick from Perry NG is class. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's just Murphy. speed of thought, isn't it? Yeah, he goes to the ball. Murphy's on, on his toes and he's ready for it straight away. And you can see that's something they're working on in training. Is like It's probably just in high intensity. You keep going, you're going, there's no stopping. And it just caught Coventry out. And long may it continue because it, it's definitely working, this approach. It really is. Um, and one last point uh, before we move on to discuss other things. Uh, it was really nice to see Ruben Colwell come on, wasn't it, Ben? I think he's... Um, He's not a child, is he? He's absolutely massive. Um, I the giant walking on. He's fucking huge. He's he's taller than Mick McCarthy. I think Mick McCarthy's a tall bloke. I th- I th- as I understand it, Colwell's six foot two. Um, but you know, to, to a wider point about the bench yesterday, there was I think five academy players on the bench yesterday. Maybe more, seven out of nine, yeah, possibly. I think it was seven academy players on the bench, to, and then two. I, I think it was Bakuna and um, Waters were the only two players. Yeah. That haven't come for the academy. On the I mean, and, and Waters is still young as well, so it's a very youthful bench, wasn't it? And that's that's really nice to see. And it's actually really nice to see players getting their debuts. People like Cole are coming on, even if it is for a couple of minutes. It shows are willing to give them time. Yeah, it shows they're in the thoughts because we've sort of had it before, of um, especially under Harris. Harris spoke up about how he wanted. I'm not going to hammer Harris again and bring it to him too much, but there was a lot of talk early on about how he wants to get the youth involved and bring them through and sort of give them opportunities. He'd put those young players on the bench and then that's where they'd stay. They'd never come on. It felt like a token gesture of CIM bringing these players through. They're on the bench. Mm-hmm. But when a game was dead and there was sort of a chance to sort of even just do what Harris, uh, what McCarthy did and run down the clock a bit and give them a bit of game time to show, look, they, there is an opportunity here. Um, that's the different. That's another difference and sort of really, really refreshing to see. I think that's, yeah. again, that's the years of experience thing, yeah. isn't it? That allows Mick McCarthy to do it. But also you did see Mark Harris make a breakthrough as well. It's not like no one came on. And I'm that, not saying it's not. It's no. definitely an improvement, but it was sort of it felt a lot more toke. It feels like it felt like under Harris a lot of time when there was like um when Taz was on the bench, it felt more like a token gesture of I'm gonna put you on the bench today more than he's actually got a chance to come on. Yeah, well look, not not to be all insider information, but I know of I know of a football agent who revolves in that world and he basically said that Harris's Harris's uh, efforts with youth were very tokenistic in order to force the hand of the board to make him sign more players and you know Harris obviously started games but other players probably weren't going to get a look in they were just on the bench to show that he needed players I think as well Allegedly. Though, it's, all, it's, <laughs> it's all it's all nice seeing all those youth players on the bench when you're winning games it'd be interesting to see what the fan base thinks when we're 2-0 down and we need someone to change a game and you look at that bench and you've only got academy projects that were completely untested. Because I, we have got players to come back from injury as well. But I, I, say like we're losing a Bournemouth in a couple of weeks, or 1-0 down, then you look at that bench. You're not looking at it thinking there's people who are going to come on and change the game here. So yeah, that, that's when he'll get interested. Yeah, it's, it, it shows the kind of short-sightedness of getting rid of Glatzel without bringing it, having the replacements lined up, mm. right? I know he said that we were looking at replacements, but nothing was confirmed, right? Glatzel, as much as people might have, you know, slated him or whatever else, um, he's a good footballer. And bringing him on with 20 minutes to go to even partner more or bringing him on with Harris would, would change the outlook of games. But like you say at the moment, it, yeah, if we're, if we're one of them at Bournemouth and we're going, who can we bring on? Colwell, Watters, Watters, Baggin. It kind of, um, it's not, yeah. It, it, we'll see. Fans will get edgy. Yeah. Um, right. Moving on, uh, the next point on the agenda, up to seventh, and I've just written, what? How? 
Um, quite a turnaround, isn't it, Ben? Um, from two weeks ago when we were what down in the doldrums, looking over our shoulder, we're now only six points off the playoffs. We were genuine in a relegation battle three weeks ago, and we were proper dog shit. And somehow we've now gone up to seventh. The championship's mental, isn't it? It's wicked. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. It is mental. Um, I'm trying to get the the table open. I've got it open on this screen. Um, I know. I I've, I think a few people have taken taken pains to pointing out that we're actually only three points off 14th. Obviously, we're playing Luton, who are in 14th in a couple of days. They're on 37 points in 14th. We're on in seventh on 40 points. You know, we're six points off Bournemouth in sixth place. So the playoffs, as, as much as they're only one position off us, Tom, they are um, further away from us than the, the people below us. But it's, it's psychologically, it's an amazing feeling, isn't it, to be back up there? Oh, like Twitter is a completely different place, isn't it? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's, it's a nice place to be when we're in seventh after, after being down in the doldrums. But yeah, it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, it's massive. Like you're now looking up rather than over your shoulder. You, sh- you should be keeping an eye below you as well, don't get me wrong. But like psychologically, you're looking, thinking, tell you what, we can sneak into the playoff places. Like we're no longer on about plucky eight. And, you know, we're looking at a solid seventh or a sneaky sixth now. So, I, I, I don't know, it's, it's just, you do wake up happier the next day looking at that table when just even from like moving from 11th to seventh, it's huge. It's absolutely massive. And, um- Ben, are you are you confident that we could get playoffs now? I mean, you, you're still not confident. I, I think this has gone there. I'm not going to be like the harbinger of doom, but it's sort of it's going very well. But this isn't going to continue until the end of the season, or it's very unlikely. We're not. It doesn't seem like we're going to be pulling a red in and sort of storming into the automatics. It could happen, no. but I still think we're going to have a blip. And given how close this league is. Like we said, we're three points off 14th. One last and we can drop into the bottom half again. And suddenly it doesn't seem as rosy. Um, you've got to keep a bit. It's fun to sort of say, oh, we're at seven. It's a nice thing to see. But I still think the playoffs aren't quite a bit too out of reach at this it's, stage. It's a, it's a bit with nail and eye, isn't it? We're in seventh place by mistake. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, but you, you talk about blips and, and Tom, I'll come to you soon. You talk about blips, Ben. Our whole season up until now has been somewhat of a blip, right? We didn't start the way we would have started. We, we've had bad runs. We've had one good run, really, where we, we went on a couple of games and lost, and then we went sort of five, six games without losing. You look around the table now, I mean, Bournemouth are, are three losses out of their last five. Middlesbrough below us are four losses out of their last five. Um, Stoke are two losses from five and haven't won in that time. Uh, Bristol, you know, we saw them get absolutely spanked yesterday. Other teams are going to go on a, on a blip, aren't they? And the way we're looking is that we're, it doesn't feel like we're going to go on sustained runs of losing games. It feels like we're solid enough now that some of those losses that would have been losses earlier in the season are going to become draws, and then some of those draws will become wins. Yeah, there's a really good chance that I'm just trying not to get too heartbroken when it doesn't happen. I'm just trying to think, like, I'm very good at getting carried away. Sort of jo- half jokingly, yesterday, half jokingly yesterday. I said, "Well, we're only fifteen points off second. <laughs> yeah, I did look. <laughs> <laughs> and then you're just going, "All right, let's not do it. Don't do it to yourself. It just hurts too much." I've been, I've been hurt before, Ben. I've been hurt before. We've all been hurt. We're all football fans. That's why we do this. Um, moving on then to the next couple of games, Tom. Uh, Luton and Preston to come. Uh, Preston were early season kind of playoff favourites. They're down in eleventh. Um, Luton a fourteenth, if we discussed uh, two winnable games, right? Very much so. Like Luton don't score many. Like they haven't scored twice in a game since December. They, they they've got James Collins on ten goals. Outside of him, nobody's scored more than three. 
like if we're solid at the moment, do you know what I mean? We're looking solid defensively. So that is a very winnable, winnable game to me. I, I think we've got to be looking for three points there. And Preston as well, they're very up and down. They won their local derby against Blackburn, Blackburn the other day, but then they're losing to the likes of Rotherham and stuff. And they, they're not a team that scare me at all. We've won their away earlier in the year as well. So I, I, I'm looking at six points here because it just to really keep on that run and keep momentum going. Looking at the form table, Ben, um, Preston sitting 14th, Luton sitting 15th. Preston's last uh, six results go loss, win, draw, loss, loss, win. Luton's go lost, win, loss, loss, draw, win. Um, it's kind of two teams, as, as Tom pointed out, you know, they're Preston beat Blackburn on Friday, but lost to people like Rotherham in the games before. It's two teams that show just how ridiculous the championship can be, right? They can almost beat anyone, but also lose to anyone. Yeah, it's just, it's they're the epitome of mid-table teams, and they? they'll go on. You wouldn't be surprised to see him end up getting a win at Norwich, and then you also wouldn't be surprised to see him lose at Wickham. It's mm-hmm. just those classic sort of teams that sort of push in and have grown, sort of pushing for the playoffs. Classic six place fighters, I like to think of them as. Yeah, I, I you know, I, I was looking at Preston's lineup, um, and I, I've written it here. No standout players in the Preston lineup, but they still worry me. And I think that's just almost like a historical thing, right? You know, Cardiff years ago when we were fighting for the playoffs, we went to Preston and lost six nil. And they always seem to be a bogey team somewhat. But um, the, the only thing that worries me about them is they've got Ched Evans in their lineup, who's a fucking prick. Um, and he just scares me because he's a horrible bastard, Tom. I remember him scoring for Sheffield United. Leon Britton slotted him in. Ugh. Double whammy. <laughs> but it's yeah. It's nice I... to be there, wasn't it? So again. It's a nice time to be at Sheffield United with those nobbets. Yeah, I know. But... Yeah, you you could just see him popping up and scoring, but and Scott Sinclair's the top scorer with eight. Yeah, like, I, oh, fuck. But like, but Dahoud's kind of gone in recent. We've won two in a bounce against them away, yeah. We? And like, yeah. we've kind of shook. That's what we've done recently as well. We've shaken off hoodoos against teams we couldn't get results over. And Completely. I think there's there's not many teams now are going into it with that kind of fear that we're going to get pumped. Or I, gonna- I think if we play Peterborough next week, I'd still be worried. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Them and Dwight Gale could fuck off. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not noob. It's a weird place to be at the moment because I'm, I'm like a. I'm, I get a roller coaster of emotions. One minute I think we're going to be relegated. One, one minute I think we're going to go up. But I'm, I'm not fearing either of these games, and I, I do fancy us to get at least four points, if not six. Ben, at least four points, if not six for you as well. It has to be, doesn't it? Given the sort of form they're on, the form we're on. Um, one player that does worry me after scoring an absolute worldie for Preston is former Cardiff City player Greg Cunningham. Yeah, he did score a good goal on Friday, didn't he? Against the team he used to play for as well. So yeah. Yeah, that, so that's, that's a worrying game. trend. If he's on form oh. for that, because he took it well. Yeah, he's a good player. I'm glad it didn't work out for him, but it's nice to see him doing well. It just, it yeah. I think I don't even know if Bennett's a better player, but Bennett just probably knew the system a bit more and was more ingrained in the club, right? And Cunningham just couldn't displace him. He couldn't get it. Yeah, just, exactly. It, it was bad luck. Didn't work out, and uh, he made a good couple of quid off it. And now he's back home. Cinderella yeah, story, mind Cardiff City TV commentator to Championship goal scorer in the match. <laughs> 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 there's hope for us yet. There's hope for us yet. Um, looking at Luton, before we move on to the Twitter questions, uh, Luton have Tom Lockyer, a Welsh manager who many have called to take over our club a year ago. Tom, um, people when when we needed a manager, people said we should get Nathan Jones in. I'm confused now. You mentioned Tom Lockyer and Nathan Jones in the same sentence. He's Luton manager. You said Tom Lockyer. 
the way you said, yeah, said it, the way you said I, it, I, okay. I, I ran, I ran too quickly. Luton have some faces who are familiar to us. They have Tom Lockyer in defence oh, and right. Nathan Jones. I thought I missed him in there. Over our club when we needed a manager. Listen, Tom. I know you've had a few drinks, mate, but listen. <laughs> Someone um, knocked on the door as well. I got all confused. <laughs> Tom Lockyer's coming over me you, mate. Door went. Open the door. Be Tom Lockyer. Hiya, Tom. Um, <laughs> a year ago, Tom was the, yes. probably the last football match that we went to before the yeah. last Cardiff game went to before um but yeah I've been to a lot of non-league since but before lockdown hit a lovely day out at Kenilworth Road where we beat the 1-0 with a bit of Lee Tomlin magic I mean one it'd be nice to go to a football match but two same again this year that'd be lovely wouldn't it yeah just stay solid and just nick a goal in the final 25 we'll take that do you know what I mean like it was a game where we were relatively comfortable and they they were in good form when we played them last time as well um it kind of summed up that end of season for us, didn't it? Where we, we went on a bit of a run. And it feels a little bit like that now, where we're building a bit of momentum. And these sort of games are key. Like you nick a result of Luton, you nick a result of, uh, against Preston as well. And you're well on your way again. And yeah, Tom Lockyer, good manager. <laughs> um, I've, got to give, I've got to give a big shout out to the Kenilworth Road um, bar uh, for a, a brilliant incident at half-time last year. So Ben, um, picture this. The, the bar at Kenilworth Road for the away fans is downstairs under the stand. Um, Cardiff fans who, who like a drink, I think we can all admit that, started queuing up about probably about 15 minutes into the game <laughs> to get their halftime pint. Um, and the queue just got worse and worse and worse and the bouncers weren't letting anyone in. And then when the bouncer opened the door, there was a huge crush of people trying to get downstairs. And um, it kicked off, as you'd expect amongst Cardiff fans, who also like fighting each other. It kicked off. And one lad took an absolute perler to the side of his head. And the bouncer, like, immediately shut the door. was like, right, we're not, no one's going down there now. There's been a bit of whatever. And this guy was livid, wasn't he, Tom? At the top of the stairs, waiting to go down. He was absolutely raging, like, foaming, stewing away. The bouncer just let him downstairs as soon as the bar doors opened. And he just went down there and it kicked off in the bar underground, under the stand. <laughs> In like the most confined area, like Corona would have loved that area, because um, it was like a few hundred people packed in, and the bounce. It was like, what are you doing? Anyone could see that coming. Yeah, like, let's just turn it into a Royal Rumble. That essentially, yeah. They, yeah. they let the bloke who did him go down, and then let the bloke outside just stew for like ten yeah. minutes, and then went go. Bonkers. Good time. Just outside yeah. slapping him. Oh, you can get angry in that. Come on. Yeah, come on, boy. Have some smelling salts. Here we go. Uh, probably Special smelling salts. Special smelling salts. Special Cardiff City fans. Right. That's the next couple of games covered. Let's move on to the Twitter questions. Uh, Nigel Blues starts us off, Ben. Uh, just hope you sing doing this because we're single. We're only doing this because we're single when recording on Valentine's Day, a day in homage to the many City fans who chanted at Luton. I think it was 2006 that season, Dave Jones' first year. There was a, f- a few hundred hardy souls on a Tuesday night in a classic game, which will get mentioned later. Um, ben, the question is, how come three centre-half system is working so well? Look slow on pace, short on distribution, and thought a disaster waiting to happen. But Flilton, less, Flilton and Nelson look reborn. Surely it's someone else in an Aiden Flint bodysuit. It can't be him. We talked about this earlier, but is it just the case of three defenders who cover each other's deficiencies? We've got Nelson, who's got a bit of pace. Morrison, who's quite good at distribution. Flint, who's just a body and can block anything. Is that what it comes down to? I just think it's players with a bit of confidence and a bit of with a manager that's managed to put an arm around them and give them that bit of belief back again. I think that's pretty much all it is and a system that suits them. Simple, really, this football arc, isn't it? Uh, benefactor Tom, only, uh, well, we'll talk about the crushes in a bit. 
Um, but he, because he did ask for Valentine's crushes, Ben. So we've got a, a load of those coming in. Um, his question relates to Joshy, 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 Joshy Murphy. Saying if Murphy went on a hot run until the end of the season and boosted his transfer lap value, would you cash in and use that money to sign Ojo permanently? Separate question, would you sign Ojo permanently anyway? I try, I try my utmost to get um, Ojo in. Um, whether it being at the expense of Murphy, I don't know. I suppose so, in a way, because we've now just seen one good performance from him and we're absolutely raving. Or not one, good, sorry, one period of good performances from him. Is that enough to justify an £11 million price tag? I suppose it depends what, what we're offered. If we were offered like four or five million, which we wouldn't be, I'd bite someone's hand off. But if it's around the million pound mark, keep him, I think, because his sure, wages are going to be pretty high, though, aren't they? Yeah, he's, he's in the mid twenties, as far as if you look on the internet and see the sources that are out there. But surely, surely the question should neither be. It shouldn't really be for me. It's not about Ojo or Murphy. It's surely it's Ojo and Murphy at yeah. the expense of Hoyler. Then yeah, nothing there. Yeah, I, it's just I. It's just whole card. It's, we're just mental, and we as fans of literally, we see a player doing well, and our first thought is, "Fucking, how much are we going to get for him?" Mm. Are you going well, to tell saw... by the fact that to his face that he's mental? I always tell Ben he's fucking mental. <laughs> I love him. I love him, but he is fucking mental. His old man's lovely too. His old man's a lovely, lovely bloke. I remember the last time I saw the last it's time I saw what happened to Benny. <laughs> the last time I saw Benny in person was in the gatekeeper after we got promoted, and it was just a day of delirium, and we just had a lovely <laughs> hug. So shout out the rasping dog, Hal Bennett. Um, I'm trying to skip all the crushes that I put in because I didn't do this in a good order. Um, but Ben, another one um, it relates to Murphy again. All the recent comments from the players focus on changing mood and positivity. It's obviously benefiting some of our more recently fragile players, Murphy being a prime example. Question is, why wasn't this done before? Surely you want to get the most out of your best assets. And that, surely, is that a question about Harris's man management or is it a question about what the players are feeling under Harris? I think it's just, you've got different managers who do different things. A lot of younger managers seem to be very focused on the stats and sort of the analytical side of it and sort of neglect the man management side, which is why you see some, why people like Warnock and McCarthy stand out so much and why they get the best out of sort of those sort of players because they know how to man manage probably better than they know about the stats. Um, it's just, I think it's just a, a, a different generations of managers. I think that purely all it comes down to is some managers are purely just, they're not caring what they do sort of and how they are. So for the most part, they just want to see the best out of them and sort of look at the stats to get the best out of them and don't know how yeah. to handle that person personally. And I think it's a, to do with that, again, about Harris being scared to try things. Like, when we went on a winning run, we won like five, four or five on the bounce, didn't we? We just kept naming unchanged teams because it was kind of like that, well, it's going well, I'm not going to change anything. And we saw the comments about Murphy from Harris before, didn't we? Which were a bit unfair. So he, he never took his chance when he was on the pitch. And then you look at the amount of minutes he'd given him. And it was like 15 minutes here and there. And it just kind of summed it up where you didn't get many bold decisions from Harris, where I think we're going to get that from Mick McCarthy going forward. I can't wait to see Aiden Flint up front then. Um, Sean Collins has asked what changed now. How are we doing so well? Are we actually playing to our strengths? Um, amazing what we can do, what that could do for winning the game. Sean, I think we've covered that already. We are just playing to players' strengths. Um, and now, the moment we've all been waiting for, people's Valentine's crushes. And, and I think we've got some Twitter suggestions, but I think it's about time we made our ultimate handsome Valentine's 11 boys while we're here. So we'll run through some of the suggestions from... Um, <coughs> it's good, isn't it? We'll run through some of the suggestions from Twitter and then we can come together with that. Maybe take one pick each on a, a first-team 11. 
Um, <clears throat> Dylan Kingston, Victor Camarasa. I think that goes without saying. I mean, handsome Vic, what a lovely boy. Elliot mm-hmm. Cantor, maybe a, a slightly off-field um, left-field choice, but he's gone for Leo Fortune West. Um, very nice man. He was very softly spoken, very handsome as well. Uh, Liam Richards, you're lying if you don't pick Big Dimmy. Um, I wouldn't trust him with my heart. He'd probably drop it. Um, so uh, Owen Davis says Danny Gabon, a Rolls Royce of a centre-back, a, pa- a painful day when he left. Good-looking boy as well. Uh, benefactor, um, only one lifetime crush from me, the late, great P. Witt. Still the only player who gives me goosebumps watching his goals even before he tragically passed. The greatest bluebird ever. I think that's fair. Uh, Sarah McCready, Rudy Ambiff. Rudy Gasted is one of the most handsome men I've ever seen in real life. Those cheekbones, boys. I'm telling you, what a boy. Um, Dafsan says has to be Big Vic and either Biggin agrees you know, I've got a Biggin definitely lad most handsome bastard to put in on the City shirt Lloyd Morgan got to be Big Kiefer I mean that's fair isn't it Big Kiefer's got an absolute stonking jawline on him uh, Nathaniel Hines says Soul Bamba forever and always and then the last suggestion was from Paul Brinkworth MM and TC at present but I can't wait for tomorrow as I've managed to book a table for two just me and the missus she loves a game of snooker that is a classic Valentine's <laughs> joke boys absolutely classic but let's move on to our valentine's 11 um i think we go for a classic 442 and just try and pick the the best looking card of city 11 we can do off the top of my head i've given you no preparation for this yeah thanks for that <laughs> <All right. laughs> so i'm gonna come to you first tom who are you putting in goals in our most handsome 11 uh oh, this is horrible we've had enough like, oh what about casper schmeichel i reckon he's a good looking boy all right red caribbean in <laughs> That's a panic, Christ. <laughs> ben, I'll come to you next. Who's going at right back? I think it's got to be Kevin. No, no, if you can let him shag your wife, he's going to be a handsome man, isn't he? Those ginger locks, ginger locks, grey locks. <laughs> <laughs> Very different looking blood. <laughs> That's how little prep we've done. You've forgotten that Kevin Norton's got grey hair. I've had one coffee today, but I don't normally start functioning until after about four. So, so we're we going Kevin Norton at right back? Yeah, the ginger god. I'm going Glenn Leuven's at centre half. Oh, that was, um, yeah. yeah. He was, I mean, you know, sets hearts to flutter all over the place, this Glenn Leuven's. So we'll come to you, Tom, for the other centre half. Roger Johnson, please. Yeah, Wrong. I thought Wrong. so. Why? If he, was chocolate, if he was chocolate, he'd eat himself. But Yeah, but no. Nah. Um, look, oh, me, me, and ben had, me and Ben had the fortune of spending two hours every day with Mark Hudson. That's true, actually. Uh, Absolute yeah. dreamboat. He's Back a good looking just, oh, The chisel chin. So should we go? Should we go? Roger Johnson slash Mark Hudson in that centre half spot. It's Tom's we, pick. I can't say, but I, I'm just saying. In my opinion, he's wrong. Can we just play with like nine at the back, and then we could have Colker in? We as could well. go. We can go five. We can go five at the back. Five centre halves. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Ginger Kev. And Ginger Kev. <laughs> right. No, let's stick. Let's stick with Johnson and Hud- Johnson Hudson Leuven's as the three playing those two spots, and then left back Ben. We'll come to you. Andrew Taylor, I think. Yeah, fair. Or is it yeah. Drew Bennett? Good shout. With those teeth, Drew Bennett as well. He's a handsome... He's a pretty boy more than he's handsome, though, isn't he? He is, yeah. I'll go with that. Um, I'll stick with Taylor. I'm going to go right wing. Um, I'm going to go Tommy Robert. No, sorry. Uh, Richard, Langley. <laughs> Richard Langley on the right wing. Um, very handsome man. Um, I used to sit near, um, sit with people at the the old Minion Park who had a had a very long-standing crush on Richard Langley, so I'm going to put him at right wing. Uh, Tom, midfield, central mid, you? Uh, McPhail. McPhail, nice. Ben? I think we're going to send him in. You've got to go a bit Camarasa on you. That bloke's got to, he's got to be in a... Sick. An absolute bronzed god of a man. It's an array of tastes here in men, isn't it? It's nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what have we become? Christ. <laughs> 
Left wing now. I've got to think of a left winger who I'm going to... Um, oh, I don't actually know. Who would you play at left wing? God, it's your feature, mate. You're the only one who's done any prep. I didn't do any prep for it. I wrote it down and forgot about it. Um, <laughs> who are we going to play on left on the left wing? You tell us, Ben, your choice. Wits, Ledley. Yeah, I'll put Wits there. I'll put Wits there. Cop Oh, oh, I'm, no, I'm, just, I'm sticking with it. I'm putting Wits there. Wits is the left winger. Um, who had the last six? It's on to you now, Tom, for one of the strikers. Um, oh, this is tough, isn't it? Bothroyd. Fan, oh, yeah, of, the pod, fan of the pod. Fan of the pod. Good looking man, Jay. Bothroyd. And Ben, you get the final pick. I think, do I do Kiefer, who is, like you said, a very good, handsome man? Fraser Campbell's got a bit about him as well. Fraser Campbell's a Fraser good, looking, good looking man. Works better as a system, I think, Bothford and Campbell. <laughs> if you're going to bring it back to football at all. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I'll go, I'll, for those reasons, then I'll go for Fraser Campbell. I feel like we've missed a few big names there. Uh, manager, um, purely on hands is Malky Mackay. Yeah, oh, I you've got to go Lenny Lawrence. Sorry. I was going to go Lenny, yeah. <laughs> Dave Jones. Um, um, I mean, we've missed out people like Kiefer Moore. Um, Dimi Constantopoulos, that's Di Marshall. Uh, Di Marshall had a bit about him. Um, Stephen Decl Colker Kien wasn't bad to look at. Who, sorry, Deco Keen isn't bad to look Decl at. Deco Keen is not bad to look at. Um, Gavin Ray, uh, Peter Thorne, Omar Nias missed a lot of players there. <laughs> missed a lot of players there. Right, Gabaji Pesh with his hairy back. Um, right. Before we get onto the view from Lillian Hall of Fame, we've got we all, we have to discuss the 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 fallout from the Nathaniel Mendes Lang case. Um, obviously, it was re- revealed this week that Mendes Lang had um, the reason that he was sacked from the club, the reason he was suspended from football was a, a failed drugs test uh, related to the use of cocaine. Uh, Nathaniel Mendes Chang, um, if you will. Um, two and it, it, what, what transpired, Ben, but it wasn't just one failed cocaine test; it was two, wasn't it? Um, it, there was obviously lots of whispers at the time, but did it surprise you? Uh, the fact it was drugs didn't surprise me. I think we all knew it was something down those lines. It's just no one knew what specifically. Went on. Yeah, it was the two. It was when the second one came out and how close together they were. That was sort of the big one. And the fact he did, he was admitted to doing the um, for the what the final suspension. Um, it was the night before the Bristol City game. Um, clearly showed like we, we we've made a couple. Of, I I say we. I've made a lot of jokes about it on Twitter. Um, yeah. Easy likes. Let's be let's be real. It was easy likes. Um, but that's the currency it, these days. Yeah, yeah. That, that's how I value myself in lockdown. Just likes and retweets. Am I still relevant? Let's make a silly joke. Yeah, that'll do. Um, yeah, it's clear that um, not taking the piss, but the bloke clearly had some issues and a lot going yeah. on. That um, hopefully. I was going to say, I was going to do the draw the line under it, but I can't. Um, but he's put behind him and sort of moved on and sort of hopefully, like he's a talented player that's clearly got issues. Hopefully he's put them behind him and sort of can move on and get on with the rest of his career. Yeah, I think that's it, right? I think if it was one one test in isolation that you kind of go, oh, he's, he's obviously made a mistake, you know, everyone makes mistakes. But it, it seems like there was more going on to it than there. And you're right, I think, you know, he's, he's clearly gone away and got his head down and thought about it. And uh, <laughs> What's funny about that? Head down. <laughs> oh, you're the, oh yeah that's a bit of a reach there Ben that's a bit of a reach 
Tom, there was there was there was lots of debate on Twitter about the punishment. Um, you know, obviously we sacked him after a second, and I think that was the key thing, right? It was a second failed test. The first one we were able to almost brush over because he was injured at the time. And I, I put injured in quotation marks because I, you know, who yeah, really yeah. knows if it was um a legitimate injury, if it was just a cover for something. Um, there were, there were a lot of fans seem to seem to worry about the fact that we weren't getting a transfer fee for him. Um, it's it's a bit of a mad reaction, isn't it? Like the the player breached his contract twice. The club have a disciplinary procedure in place. There's no middle ground there, is there? No, I think the club handled it really well because you know he breached his contract. They sacked him. They kept everything under wraps while you know wraps. I don't even know the terms, mate. So, <laughs> um, yeah, like I've been reading a lot of train spotting this week. So, <laughs> they, you know, they kept it under wraps, and and you know, while the proceedings and everything was going on, and I think the club did everything perfectly, to be honest with you. And I'm kind of glad now it's all done and dusted. Oh, that sounds a bit. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> um, no, it's all over with now because the fans can stop claiming they were in the know, and you know. Yeah. There's less people dead in this scenario than some people were painted. in. Allegedly. Yeah, crime um, boss. Yeah. Allegedly crime boss. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it, you do feel sorry for the player as well because you don't really know what's going on. To be When you've got a career like that, you know it's, it's risky doing anything like that. And if you're doing it the day before massive derby games, there's probably problems there. So let's hope he's all right. Yeah. And, and I think well done to the club for the way they handled it. I'm actually really glad to see him back in football. Yeah. Um, I think over, you know, he was with us what for three years, three and a bit years. Um, and I think he gave us some, re- you know, I always come back to it, but that Man United game at the end of the Premier League year where he got a couple of goals on the day and was there were times where he was unplayable. Um, that, you know, he might have had no neck, but he seemed to be able to drop his shoulders quite nicely and take it past midfielders and defenders. So I'm glad he's back in football for that reason. I really hope it's the kind of the worst of it is behind it for him in that sake because he can, he's still only 28, he's still got. You know, in theory, he could have ten years of football left in him, and if he can, if he can get back playing football while at Middlesbrough, then it'll be nice to see in the league. So um, that's it for Nathaniel Mendes Lang. And to round off the podcast this week, Ben, the VFTN Hall of Fame. I believe it was a close vote last time. It was my choice of Mark Denovan's Henry Lansbury clearly didn't resonate with other people as much as it did me. <laughs> me. I, <laughs> I, I even tried swaying it with a funny picture. Not no one bit. He even made it in Photoshop, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, chucked it in the group. I thought it was funny. How many likes did it get? I think more. But I think he got more likes than did votes. To be honest. <laughs> um, so yeah, clearly I'm in last place. Uh, between you two, though, it was pretty close. Forty-four um, percent to fifty point four. So in first place was the classic Warnock Bamba bust up. So man of the people takes it again because yeah, man of the people. He's the man of the people, but. Shithousery is clearly still very popular with the Cardiff City fan base. So, Ben, you didn't discredit yourself too much. No, but, you know, I quite often do. So I'm quite glad this week I haven't discredited myself too much. Um, I can take that. I'm pretty happy with it. Um, Tom, you're, you're rushing ahead into the lead. I think you've got this view from the Indian Hall of Fame sewn up this season. Well, what can I say? I know what the people want. <laughs> and what do they want? <laughs> A transfer fee for Mendes Lang. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Well, according to today's press picks, violence. Yeah, I've got, I, did, violence. I forgot what I did last well, week. Well, without further ado, then, <laughs> Phillips, let's 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 get you into let's get your vote for this week for you from the Indian Hall of Fame. Uh, well, yeah, I weirdly stuck to Warnock Busters, but this time he wasn't with us. He was with Crystal Palace. It was it was my first away game um, 
me and my dad went to watch Crystal Palace away in 2009. And um, it started off with quite unsavoury scenes on the pitch where um, Claude Davis elbowed uh, Roger Johnson and they thought he'd swallowed his tongue. Fractured his larynx, I believe it was. Yeah, and then it just led to Dave Jones scrapping with Warnock in the tunnel and then both getting sent off. And again, the same as last week, it just sums up what we love about Dave Jones and Warner. Like, we didn't know then that Warner could eventually be a manager of us, but just the thought of them two scrapping in the tunnel still makes me laugh to this day. <laughs> I'd love to have seen it. And like, these days, you probably would have seen it because there's cameras absolutely yeah. everywhere. Like, can you imagine that popping up on the club Snapchat? Like, Dave Jones and Warner just at it in the, t- in the tunnel. Tunnel cam. <laughs> tunnel cam, yeah. Man City with a massive, like, glass thing glass to the side. Windows. You just have everyone who paid 500 quid for the game just watching two geriatrics thumping each other in a tunnel. Just hit them in headlock, <laughs> just <fucking laughs> smash each other against the glass. Giving him I mean, a noogie. But you can see it, like, boiling up because Crystal Palace have that tunnel in the corner as well. Yeah, so you, so they get, you get heated al- as you walk towards it. Yeah, they were walking alongside each other and you could see it boiling and boiling and boiling. And then you just kind of like hear the crowd going, on, like that, and everyone just rise and you're like, oh my God, they're scrapping in the tunnel. And it's just, I think it just sums up what we love about that man, their managers. And it, it was a 2-0 win with two goals from Ross McCormack as well. Lovely, can I lovely just, times. Can I just say Warnock had a classic defence that day for what? So Claude Davis obviously elbowed Roger Johnson in the throat. It wasn't even an elbow, it was like a forearm smash. And I think Warnock said after the game, he's like, well, Roger Johnson's run into his arm, isn't he? At what? 400 miles an hour, fracture his larynx. He must have been up to some speed to be able to do that on someone's arm. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, so that's Dave Jones scrapping Neil Warnock in the tunnel in 2009. Summed up lovely, thank you. I'll go next, Ben, and then you can round off. Um, I've taken it back to a, an aforementioned game on the podcast. I'm going back even further to 2006. Uh, the, the Valentine's Day game at Luton, which Nigel Blues referred to earlier. It was a three-all draw um, in a game that we should have won 4-3 when we had a penalty turned down in the, in the last minute for... I mean, some of the referee decisions we had in the Premier League year were similar to this penalty. It was so blatant. Um, but it was just a classic Jason Kumas masterclass uh, that day. I think we were 3-1 down and he he, he, he scored the first... Uh, 2-1, 2-0 down, he scored the goal to make it 2-1 with a, an absolutely wonderful long-range strike. 3-1 down, Ricky Schimmicker, blast from the pass, gets the second goal, and Kumas equalises with a 25-yarder right into the top corner, as I remember it. Um, and it was just uh, the summation, really, of a, a wonderful player in Jason Kumas. He was kind of a one-man band that season for scoring wonderful goals. Um, and, you know, to be 3-1 down and to, to end up drawing the game 3 all at Luton on, on, on Valentine's Day with, with a wonderful strike from Jason Kumas was, it was just one of these many highlights that season. So I'm voting for that game to go into the VFTN Hall of Fame. Nice. And then Ben, you get the last the last little shout this week. So, as you said before, we record. We are currently recording on Valentine's Day. Uh, I'm going to take it back to 2012. Um, it's Valentine's oh, Day. Fun. I've got a tan. I've just come back from Australia with my arm in a sling because I tore my rotator cuff. Um, so, me and my mate thought, uh, cheer, cheer me up. Um, we'd go and watch my first game back since I moved out to Australia. Um, sat sat in the camp, sat in the Ninian stand. His first Cardiff game ever, and the genius, the maverick, the handsome left winger, as we've put him, Peter Whittingham, embarrasses Joe Lewis, according to the BBC article at the time, with scoring direct from a corner. So um, I'm nominating Peter Whittingham's goal direct from a corner on Valentine's Day, 2012, 
as my entry to the Hall of Fame. That game is also famous for Harris Vukic scoring a memorable goal because everyone clearly forgot by your lads' reactions, you forgot he played for us. Well, no, that season we had Harris Vukic and Karim Frey, I believe, who both oh, came in at different times. I thought time. he was going to be class. And I, and it's not because they're, they're, they're completely different players, but I always just, they're one and the same to me because they both came in for like a, a couple of months on loan and didn't really do much. Vukic's two contributions were not knowing how to do the Ayatollah and yeah. then got the biggest cheer when I think it was, I can't remember who showed him what to do. I think it was Gerard went up to him and told him what to do. So that got a big cheer. And then that goal against Peterborough. But I'm not nominating him. I'm nominating the genius that is Peter Whittingham scoring direct from a corner, which I don't think was the only time he did it for Cardiff. No, I think he did it another time as well. Um, I'm just having a look where those players ended up. Kareem Frey played three games for us and is currently playing for MN, a Dutch football team who play in the first division uh, in Holland. And... Harris Vukic is currently playing in the second division in Spain for Zaragoza. Oh, that's not um, bad. After spells at uh, three years at Twente, um, in, also in Holland. So good to know where they've ended up. Nice to see two former Bluebirds playing well. <laughs> and that's the VFTN Hall of Fame this week. The nominations again, just to wrap it up. Uh, we had Tom with Dave Jones scrapping Neil Warnock in the tunnel at Crystal Palace in 2009. Ben James voted for Jason Kumas' brace on Valentine's Day against Luton, and Ben Price rounded it off with a wits goal direct from a corner against Peterborough in 2012. Nice to see we've gone three-year intervals, 2006, 2009, 2012, to keep things retro, but also separated. I like how you've gone retro. for like the lovely feeling of like two Valentine's Day ones, and I've gone geriatric scrapping in the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as always, the vote for the View from Ninian Hall of Fame. Look, look for the hashtag VFTNHOF will go live on Thursday, Ben. Because went Wednesday, Wednesday. Did you? Just, it went Wednesdays. Yeah. It'll go live. Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday or Thursdays. On it'll our go live. What will happen is it'll go live. One of the boys will then pipe up in the WhatsApp chat saying, I've made a spelling mistake. I've got to take it down and do it again. <laughs> that is, that, you, Classic. That sounds like a joke, but that happens every week. Um, it's unbelievable it run. It's, it's, yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. We haven't got the heart to take it off him um, because it's a lot of effort and he does a good job with it. Um, so out. It's a pain in the ass to do as well. It's four tweets that you can't schedule. It's got to be done at the time. And then every time it's up there, you go, lads, it's up. What, was, what was the mistake this week? Was it Sol Sol Bamaba. Lovely, lovely, lovely stuff. Um, and that's it for another week from View from the Ninian. Uh, you can find us on all the places you get your podcasts from, except Spotify sometimes because it fucks up. Uh, if you like what you do, we do, you can go to Kofi, that's K-O-F-I with a dash in the middle, dot com forward slash VFT Ninian. And you can donate us there. You can follow us on Twitter at VFT Ninian. Um, you can find us on Facebook, although we're not very good at updating the Facebook page. Um, you can find us in the street and shout at us if you want. Um, but mm. I mean, just keep social distancing at this stage. So that's um, that's probably something that you need to consider when shouting at us. Um, Tom, what are you doing for the rest of the day? I'm going to watch some more egg later on, some more football. Um, yeah, just chill, really. I should do more Valentine's Day things, really, but it's not going to happen. Ben, what are you doing on Valentine's Day when your fiance is out vaccinating people and saving the country, doing proper work, unlike us? She's doing proper work and we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've, we, we, we went to we queued outside a lovely little cake shop for 45 minutes yesterday to buy some fucking cakes she made me do that in the snow so um, we're going to eat those today what cakes you got talk us through the cakes oh, mm. got, what have we got a rocky road which nice. I forward to my mum's favourite a brownie cookie and a red velvet cookie and then some macarons or macaroons <laughs> macarons 
Depends if you're the French president or the, the snack. Or, or the kit supplier. On Bake Off, they change the way they say it each week, so I don't know. They do. Oh, it, is, it, is, yeah. it is a word that confuses me. Them overly expensive discs that are quite That's nice it, yeah. Company. It's like it's like Bolton. My dad always has a go at me because I don't say it properly. Bolton instead of Bolton. Oh, Salford's the other one. You say Salford, don't you? Salford. I say Salford, yeah. I couldn't remember. Yeah. What, what, what... Ruins me. <laughs> Salford. <laughs> uh, it's like um, it's like Salmon. So I know people who say Salmon because obviously they've read the word, but they've never heard the word. So they say Salmon instead of Salmon. That's like uh, saying piggy on instead of pigeon. Well, exactly. But it's like people learn words by... We're getting into a linguistics debate now to end the podcast. But um, people learn words by seeing them and it's, you know, people just assume that's how you say it because it's salmon. Anyway. Good, um, good yeah. ending, mate. Good ending. Uh, I, might, I might edit that out. I might not. I'll anyway. leave it in. Yeah. Uh, Tom, enjoy the rest of your rugby day. Thank you very much. Ben, enjoy your macaroon slash macarons, depending on how you're saying it on a Sunday. I'm going to put that as a poll on Twitter tonight. How Always do you good to stick on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you say it like the French president or do you say it like Macaroon? I don't know. All right. Well, really work any, work that out and come back to us next week with a definitive answer. Oh, God, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, boys. Cheers, yeah. They may not be that smart and they may not be that pretty But they like to talk about Cardiff City It's the view from the ninny and with views from the ninny And not shoes from the ninny and the view from the ninny and